the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Wednesday, August the 25th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today, on August 25th, 1944, during World War II, Paris was liberated by Allied forces. They had been occupied by the Nazis for four years. Big day in Paris, for sure, and France. Today in 1718, hundreds of French colonists arrived in Louisiana. They settled in a place that we know as New Orleans. Today in 1765, in protest over the stamp tax, American colonists sacked and burned the home of Massachusetts Governor Tom Hutchinson. Today in 1875, Captain Matthew Webb, he became the first person to swim across the English Channel, getting from Dover, England to uh, Calais, France, in 22 hours. I wouldn't swim that. Ch- I couldn't swim that channel, but I've looked at that a couple of times and thought about those people that swim across there. I have absolutely no interest in that, nor could I. Today, in 1916, President Woodrow Wilson signed an act establishing the National Park Service within the Department of the Interior. Today, in 2012, Neil Armstrong, he commanded the uh, first, the historic Apollo 11 lunar landing. He was the first man to set foot on the moon in July of 1969. He died in Cincinnati. He was 82 years old. Senator Edward Kennedy, today in 2009, he died as well in Hyannisport, Massachusetts. You may recall he'd had a battle with a brain tumor. He was 77 years old. And today in 2018, Senator John McCain of Arizona. Man, a lot of people died today. John McCain, he died at age 81. He had also been battling brain cancer for more than a year. On a lighter note, 10 years ago today, the New York Yankees became the first team in Major League history to hit three Grand Slam home runs in a game. Now, for those of you who don't follow baseball, and I can't imagine there would be anyone, but if you don't, a grand slam is when, like, there's your guys, there's a runner on first, second, and third base. You come up to bat, and you hit a home run. That scores four runs at one time. That's a grand slam. Well, they hit three of them in this game. First time in history. The Yankees won over the Oakland A's 22-9. And if you follow baseball, you know that you don't see very many scores where a team scores 22 runs, but that happened. And five years ago today, Hillary Clinton, she said that Donald Trump had unleashed the radical fringe within the Republican Party, dubbing Trump's campaign as one that will make America hate again. Hillary who said that? Uh, Well, you were sleeping last night. Not really, but the night before and maybe last night as well. Representative Seth Moulton, a Democrat 
from Massachusetts, and Peter Meyer, he's a Republican from Michigan, they made a secret visit to Kabul, Afghanistan. They just took off, left Washington, D.C., and went to Kabul. They said they wanted to do their job. They wanted to provide oversight on the president, which is what Congress is said to be in charge of, is oversight. Well, they did. They went there and they said, announced this morning, they said they didn't make a big deal out of it when they went because they didn't want to uh, disrupt you know, any activities or create any problems for the people on the ground. But they wanted to see for themselves. They keep listening to the president, what he's saying about Afghanistan. And it, it, it's dire and it's disastrous and it's bizarre, really, some of the things that the president is saying about it. Well, anyway, they went and checked things out in a joint statement. Bolton and Meyer said their surprise mission was to, quote, conduct oversight on the mission to evacuate Americans and our allies. They argued that members of Congress, quote, have a duty to provide oversight on the executive branch. Well, indeed they do. The two representatives were also clear that they ensured their visit would not take any seats away on the airplane that was needed. They said this, I'm quoting from their statement this morning. They said, as members of Congress, we have a duty to provide oversight on the executive branch. There's no place in the world right now where oversight matters more. We conducted this visit in secret, speaking about it only after our departure to minimize the risk and disruption to the people on the ground and because we were there to gather information, not to grandstand. We left uh, on a plane with empty seats, seated in a crew-only seats to ensure that Nobody who needed a seat would lose one because of our presence. Washington, they said, I'm still quoting them, Washington should be ashamed of the position we put our service members in, but they represent the best in America. These men and women have been run ragged and are still running strong. Their empathy and dedication to duty are truly inspiring. The acts of heroism and selflessness we witnessed at HKI Haika, that's the airport there, Make America proud. After they spoke with commanders and uh, people on the ground in Kabul, Moulton and Meyer were convinced, a Democrat and a Republican, they were convinced that the evacuation of Afghanistan started way too late, not in an orderly way, coming down from the president, and could not possibly conclude by August 31st, which Biden says he will do, and they say they won't even they couldn't even conclude it by September 11, which Biden has been trying to get this done so he could sort of uh, stage a grandstand kind of a thing. I mean, he really has. I mean, that's even people have admitted that that are working with him on it. He wanted to make a big announcement and have a big deal on September 11 on 9/11, the 20th anniversary, but. The problem with that is one that a lot of the families, I mean, a bunch of the families have written a letter to the president saying, please don't 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 come. We don't want you there because you have not stood on our behalf and our family's behalf all these years later. So they have asked him not to come to the ceremony that is planned on 9-11. So I'm sure I'm sure he'll be there. He would not miss a moment like that to say whatever he's going to say. He probably doesn't know what he's going to say. But anyway, these two um, public servants continued 
They said, and I'm quoting them again from their statement. It was just released about an hour ago. They said, we came into this visit wanting, like most veterans, both of them are veterans. They said, we came into this visit wanting, like most veterans, to push the president to extend the August 31st deadline. After talking with commanders on the ground and seeing the situation here, it's obvious that because we started the evacuation so late that no matter what we do, we won't get everybody out in time, even by September 11. Sadly, I'm quoting them, sadly and frustratingly, getting our people out depends on maintaining the current bizarre relationship with the Taliban. In the coming days, we will have more to share with our colleagues and the American people about what we learned But after meeting with Marines, soldiers, and dedicated State Department officials on the ground, we want the world to know first and foremost that we have never been prouder to be Americans. That was their initial response after putting their feet on the ground in Kabul while we slept. There are some people in Congress who are doing their job, thankfully. So often on this program, I point out those who have not, because we talk about it so people can be informed. But once in a while, we need to know that there are people who are taking a risk and doing something. I I don't know either of those two guys, of course, but um, I didn't get the feeling from what I read, and I read a lot more than what I just shared with you, but I didn't get the feeling at all that they were grandstanding. I mean, maybe they are. I don't know their heart, but it didn't appear to me. I mean, I think they really, being both veterans, and there are a number of veterans in Congress now, I think they really wanted to find out for themselves because they were very disturbed about it. And their concerns transcended their political party, obviously, in both cases. So we'll see what happens. They're going to put out more information over the next few days, they say. So we'll see what happens and see what they say. Kind of an interesting situation developing in California Conservative radio host, everybody kind of laughed when Larry Elder, again, I don't know Larry Elder, but I I know a lot about him. I'm very aware of him. I have some friends who are are pretty close to him. I mean, they, they know him very well, but he's been on the radio for a long time, and I've seen him on Fox News. He He's on there quite a bit. He talks kind of fast sometimes. He's a black guy, and he, he, he's got a real clear and a very balanced view of what's really going on in our world. He's refreshing to hear, especially on some of the racial issues that are so bizarre. But anyway, I've followed him closely, and I've kind of paid attention to him. He's had a radio program for a number of years. I think he's on all over all over the place in California and other places as well. So he's pretty well known. I mean, there's high name recognition. So anyway, Larry Elder, I, I like, I'd vote for him in a heartbeat if I had the opportunity to do so. But anyway, very conservative uh, and very well informed, very well informed. So anyway, he he come out came out and announced that he was going to run if Gavin Newsom is recalled in this upcoming election, and it it is appearing more and more that he may be. Um, so. Larry Elder announced that it even caught Fox News a little off guard because I saw the day that Larry announced that he was running, it should Newsom be recalled, that he's in the mix along with, I don't know, 30 other people or something. I, I just happened to be watching Fox when he said that, and they didn't know. And I can't remember who which program it was, Tucker Carlson or 
Hannity or somebody like that. And it really caught them off guard. So uh, Larry said, yeah, he said, I think I can win. And, you know, they like him. So they, of course, agreed. I mean, they, too, hoped whoever it was that he was talking to, they, too, hoped he could win and thought maybe he could. But it, it just caught them off guard. Well, since then, over the last few weeks, he has really made some progress and he's way out in front in the polling. I mean, way out in front of anybody else that's considering or that are running should Newsom be uh, recalled. So anyway, that's the context of this. So President Joe Biden put out a tweet supporting uh, Newsom, the Democrat, who's he's kind of a I mean, I wouldn't compare him to Joe Biden, but he I mean, he he embraces the same policies. And it's a it's really a crisis in the state on many fronts. Uh, Gavin was the. Uh, mayor of San Francisco some years ago, and he's well known among, of course, among the the, the left there, and, and he's been their guy, but he's really been blowing it over the last year or so on many fronts. But anyway, um, Biden issued this support message of Newsom earlier this month. Well, they asked the president if he would come out and, and campaign for Newsom in California. Vice President Kamala Harris, she's going to be campaigning on Friday of this week in the San Francisco Bay Area. She's coming back from Asia where they've had her under wraps in hiding, actually. But anyway, they're bringing her back. She, too, is from California, as you know. So VP Kamala Harris will be campaigning for him in the San Francisco Bay Area on Friday and, I don't know, maybe Saturday. I don't know. But anyway... Newsom told the press yesterday that he's incredibly proud of the job that President Biden is doing, and he's hoping that he will come out, the president, and come out to California and campaign for him. Well, Larry Elder got a hold of this. He was asked last night in an interview by Breitbart, how do you feel about that? And Larry Elder said, man, I think it's great. He said, bring him on. He said, I would welcome the prospect of President Joe Biden campaigning for the incumbent Governor Gavin Newsom in the recall election. He said, I think it's a great idea. Well, that's a little bit of what's happening in California. We'll keep an eye on that and keep you posted as to what's going on. And our listeners in Central California that listen to us there, we'll keep you posted on that as well. You probably are posted, but we'll talk about it a little bit more as we go along. Psalm 121, verses 3 and 4. I want to leave that with you today. I want to tell you that God is faithful. God will not fail. He will not fail you. He, not, he will not fail in your circumstances. He is faithful. Psalm 121, 3 and 4 says, He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Our God is an awesome God. He does not slumber. He does not sleep. He cares. He even sees the sparrow when it falls. So surely he knows the circumstances that you face in your life. He cares and he will be faithful. God does not slumber. He does not sleep. With 15 million votes verified as unaccounted for in the 2020 election, 
it's no wonder that people are still expressing concern. I've expressed concern off and on on this program because I am. Personally, I have never believed that 81 million Americans voted for Joe Biden when he'd been unable to even stay in the race in his several previous attempts at becoming president. He never got more than a couple of percentage of votes on a national stage. The one time he had to pull out because of plagiarism, I mean, it was proven, it was embarrassing for everybody. He had plagiarized a bunch of stuff, some, I I think they were English writers, guys from the UK or something. But I mean, he'd taken paragraphs of their stuff and didn't credit that he was quoting them. He made it his own. He plagiarized. It was so bad that he had to pull out of a presidential race. So he didn't get, you know, any votes then. And the other time, I think it was one or two percent. I mean, nobody has gotten behind him till now in his attempt to become president of the United States. So I've never believed that 81 million Americans voted for Joe Biden. I, I just don't believe it. But the press consistently labels anyone who questions the integrity of the last election as a like a sore loser trying to overturn the election and put Trump back in office. I mean, that's the way they characterize anybody that has any questions about the integrity of our election process and particularly the last presidential. Well, I'm, I'm none of that. Neither is the Heritage Foundation's Daily Signal. They have published a verified report on the integrity of of the 2020 election. It is concerning. I want to share a little bit of it with you. Matt Vespa, he's a writer for uh, Town Hall. There's several guys at Town Hall, people, they're men and women, that are doing a great job, and I've been paying a lot of attention to them. They have this one guy, Rios. He's been doing a lot down on the border. I mean, he's been down there moving around among the people on the border and the, the illegals that are coming across and so on. And this Vespa, he always has a take. He's a little crass sometimes, but he always has a take on what's happening, and I have appreciated what Town Hall is doing. They're owned by Salem Broadcasting, which a couple of Salem stations were on with this program. But Vespa said, quote, We all know there was funny business during the 2020 election. There's no way 81 million Americans voted for Joe Biden. So see, somebody agrees with me. You'll never convince me otherwise. The 2020 election was not fair, And Democrats knew how to exploit the COVID crisis to set things in motion. Secretaries of state cannot just change election laws willy-nilly. They need the state legislators to sign off on changes. In Pennsylvania and Michigan, such tweaks were executed without approval from their respective state legislatures for an obvious reason. They were Republican-majority bodies. The team gathered to argue the election discrepancies was not good, to say the least. I would agree with him. I lo- I'm a big fan of Rudy Giuliani, but he didn't do a very good job representing Trump in the last election. Neither did several of those other people. I mean, I just didn't think that was the right team at the time. I mean, what do I know? But that's what I thought. He obviously a- agrees with that. Probably other people do as well. I hope so, because it wasn't a very good team. It just didn't gel. They they. they They majored on minors, I felt, and they could have gotten to some bigger issues. But anyway, it wasn't the best team. The Democrats were able to run out the clock. I'm quoting Vespa again. Democrats were able to run out the clock, and here we are. So are you shocked that there are millions of mail-in votes that are just missing? They're gone. Around 15 million votes cannot be accounted for. It's true. It is also true that... Nancy Pelosi is pushing hard 
very hard, and so is Schumer, to federalize our national elections. The resistance has been fierce in every case where state lawmakers have attempted to audit or even review the results of this 2020 election. It's becoming apparent why every Democrat in the country, from Oprah and the Obamas to Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and to local progressive, quote-unquote, citizens, they're all pushing for this mail-in voting. I know Washington does it. I know Oregon does it. I know that. And they've been doing it for quite a long time. But mail-in voting generally, generally sets a stage for all kinds of mischief if people are given to that. And the left is given to mischief. There's no question about that. More ballot harvesting, federalized elections, federal government instead of state government overseeing state elections. I mean, that's where they're trying to go with this. And if you oppose this scheme, you're a racist. You're in favor of promoting election suppression or voter suppression. You are trying to stop black people and minorities and Mexicans from voting. If you even question the last election, that bothers me. Because in, in a country based and built on freedom of speech and freedom of religion, we're told we can't question so many things today. Not just this, but a number of other things. That is the path to destruction. It'll take us where other countries are today. And I don't think most of us want to go there, regardless of our political party. But millions of votes were not accounted for in this last election. And you know, that always happens. No, it doesn't. Not at this level. The Daily Signal is an arm of the Heritage Foundation. They published an article based on a research brief that was released last Wednesday, a week ago today, by Public Interest Legal Foundation. They are a legal foundation. That's all they do is, I, I'm, I'm not sure who funds them, but that's all they do is look into these kinds of things. Some lawyers are there. I wrote an article on this today, and I would encourage you to check that out. It's at faithandfreedom.us. That's our not .com. That'll take you to, I don't know, it's a Muslim or a, maybe a Christian college. There's a Muslim group that's calling themselves Faith and Freedom now. whole bunch of deals. It's faithandfreedom.us. That's us. You'll see my name pop up on the page there. And the article that I wrote today, that's the first thing you'll see when you go on there. So I would encourage you to take, check that out And I, because I've linked the uh, this Public Interest Legal Foundation, their brief. I've linked that. You can read it for yourself. I mean, it's pretty revealing. And again, they're not an activist group. I mean, they just do research. But I want to give you just an overview uh, this morning, a little bit on, on this program, but you can check it out in more detail. But anyway, the, uh, just looking at what I read it very carefully, a couple of times, in fact, it's not like super long. Some of those things are, you know, like 40 pages, 100 pages. This isn't that long. I can't remember, but it's not very many pages. But anyway, the brief assessed the effect of mass mail-in balloting in an election with a close presidential race in key battleground states such as Arizona, Georgia, and Wisconsin. These are just talking points that I took out of their research. There's much more there. But secondly, almost 15 million ballots were unaccounted for in the 2020 presidential election, and more than a million more ballots were undeliverable. 
Jay Christian Adams, he's the president of this legal foundation, he says in a public statement, quote, these figures detail how the 2020 push to mail voting needs to be a one-year experiment. The report found that 1.1 million mail-in ballots were undeliverable for various reasons. Election officials rejected another 560,814 mail-in ballots. Another 14.7 mail, 14.7 million mailed ballots met an unknown fate. That's how they categorized them as unknown. They don't know what happened to them. Joe Biden defeated Donald Trump in a presidential race with an electoral college vote of 306 to 232 after winning Arizona, Georgia, and Wisconsin by 0.6 percentage points or less. A Washington Post analyst, they too read this. It wasn't just conservatives that were reading this. They said back in February, and then they referred to this um, study or, or this release that I'm talking about. They said back in February they found that flipping fewer than 43,000 votes across those three states could have changed the election outcome. In the nationwide popular vote, Joe Biden received 81,268,924 votes. President Trump received 74,216,154 votes. That's a margin of 7,052,770 votes. Now, I don't want to drown you in numbers. I mean, that's not what we do. You know that. But keep that in mind if you can. To put these numbers in perspective, President Biden carried Arizona by 10,457 votes. Yet the state's Maricopa County sent ballots, just Maricopa, that's Phoenix area, they sent ballots to 110,092 outdated or wrong addresses. Keep that in mind. Biden won by 10,457. Maricopa County alone, not the rest of the area. They... They sent out 110,092 outdated or wrong addresses. Okay, what happened to those ballots? Did someone get a hold of them? Did someone just forge a name on them? I mean, it very well could have happened. The same scenario roughly happened in Nevada, where Biden carried 33,596 votes yet uh, over Trump, yet Clark County, which is the Las Vegas area, the most populated, it bounced meaning nobody supposedly got the ballot, 93,279 ballots. The brief says the lesson is clear. Increased reliance on mass mailing voting must correlate with aggressive voter registration list maintenance. Well, they don't want to maintain the list because when they launch these ballots out there, then they become kind of in the air and just out there. Those can then be taken through ballot harvesting and other things, and they can fill them out. It is illegal to do so, but it is done. And apparently it was done on a massive scale, or it could have been. That's what this report shows. Very interesting. Clark County, Nevada had the second highest number of unknown ballots, only behind Los Angeles County in California. Maricopa County also had very high unknown, quote-unquote, ballots. This is where we are today. Jurisdictions in heavily blue states, they decisively went for Biden. That's why they're pushing this mail-in voting, because most states aren't set up for it. I'm out of time. We'll continue this conversation tomorrow. 
Thank you for your support. We need it. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Or you can contribute on our website. Thank you so much. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.